one. Hey, and welcome to the Big Story Podcast. That place that you come to to see or listen to talks with amazing creators. I'm Alex Morrissey. I'm Giddy Dufna. I'm Jamie Jones. There you go. And today, <laughs> we have Stephanie Phillips with us. Hey. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Feels like a Brady Bunch intro where we're like, it is, yes. It, it's that yes. Brady Brunch thing as well. Nice. I would like that better. <laughs> why, is the, why is there not a restaurant that's open on the weekends called Brady Brunch? And I think we should all leave the podcast right now and go do yeah. it. <laughs> pork chops with applesauce there. You can get all the food. Camp, camp, camp. Yeah, that you get the, anything mentioned on the Brady Bunch <laughs> they serve. But that's the only thing served. If it was not in a Brady Bunch episode, right. you're out of right. luck. And like, Nobody ever drank water, so we have no water in this establishment. They got milk. I know they drank milk in that <laughs> show. Yeah. Only Alice. They're all <laughs> Alice. Doesn't matter who it is. They all, all the servers and the people cooking are Alice. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the way to go. And then every so often, one like, Marsha, Marsha yeah. works front of house, and we're I mean, good. Of course, where else would Marsha work? Right. Exactly. <laughs> There's got to be three of them. Yeah. There has to be three Marshas. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else is the trash Alice. out. That's how yeah. it goes. Yeah. <laughs> And then yeah, and then <laughs> come by and drop off the food. I mean, it's I, this this place is making itself happen. I know. I know. It just sells shit. itself. <laughs> so yeah, this is exactly what anybody's tuning in for is to listen to us come up with bullshit. Of so, course. Okay, that's what they come here for. Mm. Well, <laughs> Stephanie, welcome. Um, you two already have a, a head start on us because you guys know each other you and jamie so this is yeah. gonna be jamie's gonna be filling in the gaps or he's gonna call out the jamie do you have that uh that buzzer we talked about the lie buzzer when <laughs> right 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 what do the kids do they put their cap they just like tilt their cap or something yeah give us give i don't us have a hat on just fiddle that's with a, cap or no cap that's what the kids are saying cap. wait is that actually derived from people doing something with a hat i've I heard no the idea. slang like no cap but <laughs> Is everyone here over 30? That's yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. no cat means. I'm, so I'm, talking I am talking a big <laughs> we need game. to phone a Gen Z. Phone, <laughs> phone, phone a Gen Z. I need a helpline. <laughs> That's funny. Help. Oh, so um comic books. We love comic books. Yeah, we love comic books. Of course books. we do. Um, so how did you like how like we're all we've all like admittedly well jamie jamie got into the comics racket sort of late in the game just kind of like did did the uh did the the analysis of the best place to go make a very lucrative living in and said i'm going to get into comic books so um and it's it's working out for him in savannah he's kicking butt um so steph had oh wait stephanie's mic is down oh there we go sorry oh okay that that was she was laughing at Jamie's symbols. Um, she's she's muted again. Am I muted? Something muted? No, I got. I don't know why it, it's doing that. I sorry. I got it now. <laughs> Let me know if it goes again. Yeah. So you like so I so I was talking to a mutual friend Nick Flarty, and he was saying that when he first met you, you had like a book out on something. It wasn't comic books at the time. It was a 
Oh, uh, hockey that I did yeah. with. Uh, okay. Oh wait, I have to point the other way to get to to Jamie. Okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yep, uh, Jamie drew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was about women's hockey, which I guess is now like once again. We did it actually during the last uh, uh, Winter Olympics. So now I fi- I guess it's like full circle. That's assorted comics during like the last Winter Olympics, and now here again so that's cool um yeah we did a book on women's hockey jamie drew it and um like some of the players from the u.s women's team were actually in the book and at the time they were practicing here in tampa there's like a really nice ice rink um so i went out with like um tv crew and we were on tv with like the women's olympic team showing off like oh, cool. the artwork yeah and then like seeing themselves in the book it was it was really cool because i i play hockey I, I love hockey um stayed up a little too late watching some of those games this week in the olympics yeah. but uh yeah wait so how did like so how did that book come around i mean was that something you you pitched or yeah, so we ran it through a Kickstarter. Um, it was um, kind of something that I pitched to at the time. They were called the National Women's Hockey League. They have since rebranded, um, and uh, I think it's like now the Players Hockey Federation, something like that. Uh, but at the time, uh, the National Women's Hockey League, I kind of pitched it to them as something to do joint with them, like something that they could like sell at games, but also have their players in the book and their teams in the book. Uh, yeah. Since I think at the time they only had four teams, they've expanded. They now have six, which is awesome to kind of see that grow. There um, was more teams added while we were doing the book. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is, which is yeah, pretty it was awesome. Great. It was a great thing. Um, yeah. That's amazing. So we, yeah, so we got to show off like all their jerseys, and uh, I think we did it during maybe like their second or third year in existence. So it was in part like something that I wanted to do because I love hockey, and then also kind of just this cool, cool way to like be involved because like even growing up, uh, women's Olympic hockey didn't exist until like ninety. Oh, I'm blanking on it. What was it? Ninety five, ninety six, somewhere in there. Um, Amen. At Nagant, yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, not even existing when I was a kid, uh, you know, I don't think that I had the opportunity to like go play for the NWHL, but it's cool getting to see like these college players now have a place to go play. And so it's something that like we really wanted to work with them on. And uh, I don't know, I, I think it turned out really cool and I still love it. It's in my, it's in my spinner rack over, I have to like point in the opposite of spinner rack over there. I've got a bunch of kicking ice in there. So. That's awesome. I think, you know, I mean, it's interesting that it's actually touches on a subject that I'm really like, I'm truly fascinated about is the, you know, we have, we have this truly dominant women's soccer, you know, cadre out there, you know, our Mm -hmm. women's soccer, you know, wins the world cup, wins the Olympics. It's just this dominant thing. And then I think the, you know, the women's uh, hockey has been doing really well over the years, like almost as equally dominant and it's this one thing I go like, you know, it's just really interesting that like soccer is like the biggest sport in the world, you know, um, and we don't like we as the American public don't have a very big soccer uh, spirit. Um, and our soccer men's soccer is well, they're all really great players that we don't dominate. Um, and it's an interesting thing because I think what happens, you know, what I've noticed is that like, you know, we have a, a youth soccer programs that are huge, like kids grow up playing soccer across this country and then like 16 hits and like cars come into play like we all put the bikes away and we get a car but i think like for boys it's like 
if they pursuing sports, they, uh, they don't look at soccer as like an end road, like, oh, well, this is going to take me to, you know, fame and fortune. They go, well, baseball, basketball, football. And we lose a lot of this amazing sort of soccer talent for these other sports. Um, but in the women's ranks, there's not a lot of professional sports to draw away from that soccer talent. And so hence we get this crew that goes out there and just beats everybody up. And I think that might be the case with, with hockey as well. And you can beat people up in hockey. So that's actually <laughs> yeah. it's one of my favorite elements of the sport. So <laughs> So yeah, I, think that, I think that's cool. So how are, how are the, the, the women faring for the Olympics this year? Good. Um, I'm, it's just in the, or the prelim rounds just ended. They lost to Canada on, was it Tuesday, what, Monday night? I think they lost to Canada, but um, I'm sure there will be a rematch in the medal game next. So. I think it's Wednesday. So yeah. 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 Very hard time watching the Olympics. Now. It's not, so like turn the television on and watch Olympics. It's like scattered mm -hmm. across the internet. I don't know. I can't. So I haven't really watched it. I think I saw some curling. That's all. I've <laughs> That's all you need. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> best sports sweeping, sweeping on ice. I know. It's I like, it. it's like how, like, it's like chores and sports all rolled up into one. <laughs> I know. I couldn't get enough of sweeping my floor. So I, I came to sweep the ice. Yeah. <laughs> that was necessary. Uh, <laughs> Which I'm sure is very demeaning to somebody. Else. Like, I, I think it actually takes quite a lot of skill. I just don't understand it. So. it I, I'm a, I, I'm a bocce player. I play bocce. Okay. Um, and so like, you know, curling is like the, the, I don't know, is it the cooler? Well, or. Well, it is cool. Literally cooler. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it's a cooler cousin to botany. That's what it is with brooms. Um, so how, like, were you like an inveterate writer as a kid? I, like, did you just like soaking up anything that came with a staple or, a, you know, a glue, glue bound binding? Yeah, uh, I mean, I grew up with comics. I, I loved comics and uh, I liked writing. Uh, I was always making comic books as a kid. Like even oh. before I could write, I would like draw and like staple little comics and then go make my dad write in like the word, the dialogue and the word. What they're doing, um, like, say this, say that. Yeah, that's what I would do. Exactly. Um, which is weird growing up Jewish and like my lead comic book character was a nun um, who was friends with a werewolf. Uh, I have no idea where I would have ever even seen a nun. Like, I don't know how that like hmm. somewhere on TV, I'm sure. But um, that was like my, you know, my leading comic book series was uh, wow. Sister Stegey and the werewolf. <laughs> I don't even know what name that is, but uh, that's what it was. Um, and then I, I did my PhD in rhetoric and writing and um while working on the phd jamie and i started kicking ice and um by the time i finished the phd uh comics were my full-time career so it was kind of nice to jump out of academia and uh just make comic books it's a little, I, I like i like comics a little better than i like academic so yeah well you don't have to write as much you know mm -hmm. not as lengthy um and i guess you don't have to argue it yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, uh, Twitter, Twitter would. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, Twitter would disagree. <laughs> Twitter wants a justification for everything. Like the amount of questions I get asked about, like, is this a hidden something? It's like, I don't know. Or uh, I think like the Valentine story that came out. Uh, people are like, oh, it's a PR stunt. It's like maybe the writer just thought that this was a really funny 
team up of characters because it is. It's like, I don't know. I just wanted to do the thing. I wasn't trying to send a message about something. <laughs> like, um, but, that, was the uh, that was the thing like in, like in English class, you know, when you sit there and the teacher would be like, so the author meant this when they wrote mm -hmm. this, you know, and I would, I would fume, you know, in my, in my little school yeah. desk that like, how do you know that's what they meant, you know? Um, but then again, there is authors do mean to intend things, you know, that they're not writing down directly. But uh, so, well, I mean, maybe we can, maybe you can come up with some sort of a symbol that you can just post on Twitter. Yeah. People, people know, oh, oh, she's, she, she was just having fun with this versus uh like right. make, say an agenda or something because that seems to be what everyone wants um so but i mean that's a, like you said so you made it a career i mean like so this is a very intentional thing on your end like you said i'm going to go do this that was uh mm -hmm. and this was how many years ago for you um i guess maybe about four now okay. almost four so years like ago remembering what the years were I know it's it's very weird, but it was around like the start of COVID when I was put on Harley and it was kind of like I had enough work to to stop teaching and stop yeah. doing really anything but comics. Um, so it was um, it was nice. It was like time to step away. You know, I couldn't like grade papers and meet deadlines for DC. And I was like, all right, well, we know which one of these I'm going to pick. So um, right. that's an easy choice. <laughs> I guess maybe that's what you and I actually exchanged some messages early a year, like over a year ago. And I think there was this whole, you know, you were like, I'm, I got school or something like that. I was like, oh. okay, you know, we'll figure it out whenever we figure it out. Um, well, so what were the books that you were really interested in, like kind of growing up? Like, like what was your, like what, like, what caught your attention? Anything Batman. Uh, cool. I was just obsessed with Batman as a kid. Okay. Uh, the animated series is like my childhood, like early 90s. So um, that common. Yeah. 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 I hear that a lot, especially like millennials, too, which is like kind of funny that we all have this weird collective like nostalgia around that show, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I just loved it. And when I found out that there was more Batman content outside of the show, uh, I don't think anything was very deliberate. Like I wasn't going and getting like a full series. I was just like, oh, it has Batman on the cover. I want it. Right. Um, I primarily liked the artwork and um, I liked uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch a lot, which was another one that like I saw the show and I loved Salem. And like, I don't know, you can probably see I have a little black cat wandering. Yeah, there she is <laughs> wandering around. Uh, I have, because of that, always loved black cats. So um, I read a lot of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and um, Archie comics. So. Do you like the black cat character from Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, she I do. I do. And I loved Catwoman. Actually, oddly, like a book that I learned to read on as a kid was like a Catwoman, like kids book. It wasn't a, exactly a comic, but it was like a kids learn to read book. And it was all about Catwoman taking in stray cats. And I was like, obsessed with it. I was like, you mean there's this character that dresses like a cat and loves cats and like, I love cats and she's in the Batman universe. Perfect. I'm sold. So. What a takeaway, huh? Like I love, yeah. I love how our minds like as kids like what are takeaways from things that are sort of presented to us. Like yeah. we just kind of grab, oh, that's the thing I want it to be, so that's what it's going to be. Yeah, going yep, exactly. What kind of books grabbed you, Jamie? Uh, oh, uh, I mean, I didn't start reading comics until I was I like know. seventeen. Yeah, uh, the Goon. Okay, right. Uh, yeah. Eric Powell stuff was always the thing that got me, and then when I got into like superhero stuff, it was uh, Legion of Superheroes and Justice Society of America, and that's yeah. 
which makes a lot of sense with what I do now, right? Because I'm mm -hmm. all old golden age guy yeah. and uh, those characters are the best. Well, yeah, they're they're a blast. Um, they, they, I mean, I, I'm a total legion. I feel like I'm in a time loop because the cat keeps walking the same <laughs> path. Like it's like three or four times, and I, it's like, I'm like, is this like one of those camera things? I know. I think she's mad because she wants out, and I have the office door closed. But she uh -huh. was in here very nicely sleeping, and then yeah, yeah. she has decided to the minute I got on to cause a problem. So yeah. the cat's job, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, now did, was it, did the Batman movie come into play for you? Were you old enough to see that, or what was that? Yeah, um, yeah. I I did. Um, I think it was I was a little bit older just because I uh, I don't think I saw those maybe until I was like middle school or early high school, and I just I loved them. I I don't know. I thought it was like wacky fun and a prince prince music. Like absolutely, I I really really adored those movies. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. Like. Like for, you know, me, it was the Batman TV show that was that was, you know, on reruns, you know, in the early 70s. So we got to see those, you know, these really hyper colored, you know, experiences of Batman, which was kind of cool because it made him seem very real. Like this, this is a real thing. It's not just the comic book or my Mego action figure. It was like this real dude who was biffing and bopping his way through Gotham, you know? Uh, and that's, that's, that's so cool. So like, so, I mean, so the, you're like, like of that perfect sweet spot, like with Harley, because she was a creation from the, the cartoon. I remember when we got like the Batman, my, my studio partner did all the, uh, uh, what are the, the, the card artwork for the toys. Right. So, so, you know, he'd be just constantly like, hey, here's scuba Batman I'm drawing today, or whatever the thing he was doing. That's really cool. Yeah. And but so as a result, we would end up getting we got all anything Batman from, you know, DC sent into the studio. And remember when like Harley appeared, you know, um, and on the cartoon that was like it was it was interesting. It was immediate. Like that character was an immediate lock. Like, well, oh, yeah, this makes complete sense. Um, yeah. Although there is. There was a character called Harlequin already, wasn't there? It was the, I'm not jo sure. the Joker's daughter. I think her oh. her name was Harlequin. She was a part of the hmm. Teen Titans back in like in the the, the day. So sorry. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, um, I think now it's her what 30th anniversary this year that she appeared on that show, which is, you know, makes me feel old, but also really cool that I'm writing Harley during her 30th anniversary. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, there's, you know, I guess there's two characters that kind of came out at around the same time that have just, you know, Harley, Harley and um, Deadpool that have just sort of like, you know, they're part of the zeitgeist. Like these two characters are not like new. I don't think people really think of her as the cartoon character anymore. They think that her is a character. Yeah, which is awesome that she's been able to span so much different media and like all of it is like consumed by that fan base which is really yeah. neat do you i mean do you think like with i mean it's it's curious because like she also came into she also came into i mean but there's a gap but like i wonder i mean i wonder if the the sort of the the growth of cosplay has a lot to do with her sort of the the sort of the widespread embracement of her hmm. 
Because I mean, it's an interesting. Because I mean, she, I mean, she might be one of the most you know cosplayed characters out there. Um, yeah. And you know, she's not you know she's not some sort of old school character. She's a new kind of fun character. So mm -hmm. if that's a, oh, it's super curious to me how like how these characters butt in. The baboon. Have you seen any uh, baboon cosplay, Jamie? No. That'd be so. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta. That make would that be bananas. I, I don't know if I would. Uh, I, I, my brain would break. I know. I would think. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about that. Like, cause, like, I mean, I've got. I've got. I gotta ask somebody who's who's had a character. I don't think the design is as good. Like Harley Quinn's design. I think one of the reasons it works so well is yeah. that design. Yeah. That original design is perfect. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. every time they try to update it, it's not as good. Right. Um, it, it has some kind of there. There is a magic to that simplicity of of that just red, black, red thing. Mm -hmm. um, checker. Yeah. Yeah. Although I really like Riley's uh, yeah. design. Yeah. The the new stuff. I mean, this is a personal taste thing. Uh, Riley's the best artist at DC right now, and I have told I have to specifically told this to you, Stephanie. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is the best looking comic that DC puts out. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll uh, die on that hill. Yeah, wow. the uh, the stuff you get from Riley too. It's like, um, I mean, just one of those things where like style wise, which again I love. But even if you just look at page layouts, he's doing something that's so unique that like at least like what four or five times an issue you get a page where you're like there's no other page in comics that exists like this page yeah, like yeah. like you know not a nine panel grid like it is it's just so unique and it's just like sometimes i get a page back and i'm like how does your brain conceptualize this like this is it's just so cool um and it's really really uh exciting to work with somebody like that on a character like harley because she's inventive and like mm -hmm. In a, in a cool way, like there was a script I just wrote over the weekend for her where I knew like the back half of the script I didn't like. And I was like, it's because she was solving the problem by going from like A to B and hardly doesn't solve a problem by going in a straight line. And I was like, all right, I have to like scrap the back half of this script and figure out like Harley would solve this problem by going like A and like maybe we're gonna go to Z and then like there's an F in here and then like oh, there's B, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, like kind of all over. Um, and that's part of the fun of her, like using her environment and all the things that make her Harley and solving this problem in a way that only Harley would ever solve the problem because it would be so unexpected. And I think Riley's art just like really helps like energize those scenes and her personality. That's, that's interesting. So, I mean, you know, in writing, I mean, one of my favorite parts about writing is the, the characters sort of taking control of what... <laughs> your story is so you're sitting there and you're like okay this here's the you know here's the scenario here's the steps here's what i want to get done but then the characters are like cool thanks for the tips we're going to take it from here and they kind of yeah. go on they do their thing and you're like oh okay like so like i mean because you, you write you write a, a variety of types of comics you no know, but i mean how do you like and and, and the thing is, is they're not your they're not they're not your creations i mean harley is harley mm -hmm. and, you know Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman and other characters, other characters. So how do you like, how do you get your, your mind space into that? Like, is it this, is it you dialing into that, you know, 10 year old version of yourself, like digging the cartoon and just kind of feeling that or what? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a blend of like 
first, like, there is a foundation to Harley that I want to be loyal to. Like, you know, she isn't mine. I'm, like, kind of renting her and, like, getting to spend my time with her and, like, give things to the character that didn't exist before while still being loyal to what came before me and and all these different iterations of her. Nice. Um, and so for me, one thing that was really important and something that I love is, like, there are things that I can add to this character that, like, no one else could. And that's what makes it, like, my Harley. And, um, you know, going through nine years to get, like, a master's and PhD is something that, like, all right, so Harley went through, um, you know, getting a PhD and doing her dissertation. And, like, there are things in there that, like, I've fleshed out, like, what her dissertation was about and how that actually lends to who her character is. Like, there's a story coming up um, where she talks a lot about her dissertation topic and uh, personality disorders and masking and these things that are, are true to her, but also you get to make these, like, kind of jokes about that only Harley could really make. Um, and I think that's really fun. And the other thing I just love doing is, like, playing with her vernacular. So, like, getting to, to a point where like when you're in a PhD program, I, I think you're learning like a new language. Like there's a way of talking that like you have to immerse yourself in the language of your field essentially. Yeah. And so like the first day of PhD classes, you're just like, what are people even saying? Like, I don't know these names, the terminology, because a lot of it is like made up for each field. Yeah. And it's like, it's wild. Um, but then after so many years of doing it and then writing a dissertation, you're like, wow, I'm fluent in this language. And so Harley would obviously be fluent in like her field's language. So I like having her have, you know, that tone that Jimmy and Amanda gave to her and like that, that humorous thing. And then she can also flip the switch and start talking like grad school Harley and start recounting all this stuff from her past in like very well-spoken, almost like textbook-ish because she would have been trained to do this. And I just, I like those juxtapositions of like forcing those different things together. And I think that's why I love Harley because it's like, it's just all these different things that build her into this this person. And maybe that's why people cosplay her so much and love her so much is like, there's something there that's so um, like real and like being that multifaceted. She's not just super good and going to save the world and like almost infallible. Like she's always fallible. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, that's the fun of it. That's the fun of writing it. That's the fun of reading it, cosplaying her. She's a cool character. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean that I get there's a, there's a strong level of duality with that character in that in that yeah. respect. So I think that's kind of cool because it, it makes her more human uh, in so many ways, rather than as you said, like just putting on a cape and going to save the world, or mm -hmm. you know picking up a, a gun and going to go rob a bank. Like you know, there's not this mm -hmm. like there, there's no she's not she really just kind of blurs the line, I guess, in so many, in so many ways, um, yeah. which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think that's, that, that's, that's super cool. And I guess, so like, that's a pretty strong, was that like a very strong sort of like intention on your, your half when you, when you, when you, now, did you approach DC for the book? Like, did you lobby for it or did they come to yeah. you? Um, they, they came to me, they asked me to write the future state hardly. And after I turned in, um, the future state scripts, they asked me to stay on for the new ongoing. So, okay. um, yeah, it was, it was a character I maybe never saw myself writing. And, um, I think maybe that's why I don't like the question of like, who do you think you should be writing or what's the best character for you to write or dream character? Cause like, I might not even know, <laughs> like, right. like there could be a character I'm given that it's just like, I, 
uh, like Wildcat. I've always liked Wildcat and it was the first character I did at DC, but I never actually thought about writing Wildcat. And now I'm like obsessed with the idea of writing more Wildcat. Like I could write Ted Grant all day. Um, Harley is the same way. Like I, I don't know that I ever actively thought about writing her. And then as soon as I was handed it, I was like, oh, well, this is obvious. Like, you know, we've got quite a bit in common, um, except for the murder thing. I promise that's not the thing we have in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least not that I can say legally on sure. the show. <laughs> um, yeah, it became one of those things where I was like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I get this character. Uh, I get the version of her that I, I want to see on the page and um i've got a lot of harley stories in me to tell and develop and cool characters we get to bring in like kevin um i love kevin um and i just wanted to do something that was like on the corner of funny and sad and like a very true like millennial emo kid harley quinn which is like uh you know kind of a tribute also to just how old the the age of the character it's like yeah, yeah that's uh what a lot of us were watching and i think a lot of us went through those those emo kid phases and there's this like corner mm -hmm. for a lot of us that we're living on right now between funny and sad and i wanted harley to kind of embody that so well that's yeah i mean that's kind of and that's a really kind of an interesting thing about like characters um i mean like you know jamie you like you like the class the class of characters but a lot of those characters have endured and transitioned over the years as different sort of variants of themselves through, yeah. through time. And like, so each generation gets the opportunity. There's Dunkin' Donuts in, in Florida? Yeah. yeah. Really? It's yeah. everywhere. Dunkin' yeah. Donuts in Florida? Like, New England, so like New England is like, you know, it, it's Dunkin' Donuts or go home, you know, or <laughs> um So like, I'm like, wow, right. They're already, they're all, all the way down there in, in Florida. Florida, um, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it's kind of cool how like each generation gets that time to sort of reinterpret or express this character, you know, in the continuity of where we are. It, it, uh, something also cool, just that because Stephanie is my friend and she calls me on things, uh, because I like old characters and because I am uh, kind of. Uh, steeped in old things uh, she will she will call me and be like hey is this out of character for ted to say this or she'll be like yeah hey alan scott is coming in i'm, I'm writing something and like alan's there and, and jay is there is that how these guys interact with each other traditionally and i'll yeah. so stephanie's uh, does does her homework and at least is not just uh wingy a, a uh a person is like coming through and rewriting characters. Sure, you, yeah. you are very steeped in kind of comic book, uh, tra traditional comic book stuff. Yeah, or, I mean, I try to be, but at the same time, like that's like the best part about you know having friends like Jamie that you can go to and be like, there's definitely gaps in my reading history. Uh, you know, I I think it's hard to be like I've read everything though I know those people exist and they all have Twitter accounts and they will all find you, but. <laughs> I do my best and I like my new favorite one is like you know you get asked a lot like do you even read comics it's like no I'm illiterate and this is offensive um I'm right. doing my best but um <laughs> the best part about you know being able to go and talk to Jamie is like 
now you have multiple brains to help fill in the gaps of like, man, I am missing this era of something from JSA. And I know Jamie knows it. Like, <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind that there's going to be like a file memory in there that you can just like pull up and, and let me know, like, go read this issue number. And, um, and it's, it's fun. Like you, I feel like that's another cool part of the job is just like reading almost as many comics as I'm writing, maybe mm -hmm. more. There's so many, I mean, and that's it's so true. There are so many people out there who are like, really like savant knowledge, you know, level of knowledge of characters and subjects for things. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, you're writing a novel, like you can't be expected to be an expert on all the subject of your novel, but there are people out there who be more than happy to tell you every idiosyncratic fact about things that, you, yeah. know, you know, like, I mean, even if you weren't the hockey fan and not an expert of hockey that you are, mm -hmm. You could have found, you know, a, a good dozen of people who would have given you every detail you needed to know to make that legit. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. had never watched hockey when I started drawing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's scandalous. It was. It, well, it was. <laughs> but we did okay. <laughs> you watch hockey yeah. now? Uh, yeah. All right. Nice. I started watching hockey when I started doing the book. Yeah. I love it. I think hockey might be one of the best sports live. Like, when, like yeah. going to a hockey match is like, it it, it is so, so fast, so exciting. Uh, it, it is, you know, I, I made sure like when we lived in, when we lived in New York City, I, I took my wife. I'm like, well, you have to go see like a live Rangers game. Like, because it's not, because, you know, you put it on TV and she's like, what's going on? Like, what are you looking at? What are you watching? Yeah. You're like, like, oh, hey, are you pro or con that, that little, like that little, uh, the yellow disc that they used to put around the uh, the puck on box back like in the the, the day yeah and, you know i don't really care either way like i i but i i didn't realize how much like growing up playing hockey means like i can follow all that stuff really easily and then i tried to get another friend into hockey and he was just like i can't watch hockey i can't follow the puck and i was I like oh okay like you know if you if you're not at the rink and constantly on the ice and like following puck and like that's your job as a hockey player then i guess maybe i didn't realize how difficult this was to watch so, yeah. <laughs> so i don't know I, I, I don't care either way i thought it was i thought it was a really good thing to put it to put in there for that you know that idea of like mm -hmm. if you don't know how what's happening it's at least you can at least follow yeah. the thing that they're all skating around frantically trying to control you know so yeah there's got to be metaphor in there somewhere right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Resurface teetering on these little sharp little objects, you know, wielding mm -hmm. sticks, chasing after a very small, hard <laughs> object. I mean, there's got to be something. We'll, we'll work on it. It's just that. life. Yeah. I mean, it's a metaphor for life, but we got to be very specific about it. <laughs> um, so, the, I mean, but so, okay, but I think we're, we're stepping over one little spot here. Like, how do you go from being in academia, like what were you doing that put you in the position to where you were asked to write that yeah. story? Cause that's not like it, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that doesn't typically happen. Um, so without some sort of action leading to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I honestly just thought I was going to be like a tenured professor like that was kind of the track I was on uh but a lot of the work I was doing in academia was um I don't know it's very academic like steeped in you know that that language it's not accessible to the public and yeah. uh you know that that kind of sucks when you do all this research and work and you put something out that you feel very passionately about and 
like, you know, you can see that it's got like three views and two of them are my mom. And like, you know, she's not, you know, reading it because she understands, like, she's just being supportive. Like, she doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, and that's not because she's not smart, but it's just because when you are in this one little tiny area, it's like, it's kind of incestuous. Like, you are talking to like the one other person that specializes in this one other thing. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I still need to be like creative. I like making things. Um, I love comics. I was kind of like around comics a lot. Like I was going to a lot of conventions at the time just as something to kind of uh, do that wasn't work in school. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. It got in my head. I was like, well, why don't I make a comic book? And just like for fun, I saved up like a lot of money to just make one issue of this like horror story idea I had in my mind and um, not really knowing what would happen with it. And then it got published by Black Mask. Um, we made four issues. Yeah, I think four issues of uh, Artist Man House. And then... What was that? Uh, what was that? Which, oh, what, the story what? Devil Within. Okay, cool. And uh, at the same time, Jamie and I were also working on Kicking Ice. Uh, and those two things led to some books that I did with Aftershock. And yeah, I mean, I feel like it just kind of kept snowballing, like from Aftershock to the book I did at Dark Horse, uh, Butcher of Paris. And Butcher of Paris was the one that uh, I had some like yeah, DC editors started contacting me after that. Um, yeah, they came to me. They asked me to do the Wildcat story. I did that. It went really well. Like, you know, I I loved working with Riley. Um, I guess I forgot to mention it was also a, a Riley story that I got to do. And Riley and I from page one were like, kindred spirits like we were like oh we were meant to be making comic books together and I think the editors saw that and just kind of um Riley and I had other pitches into DC and things we were working on prior to we us getting Harley so editors knew that we really were trying to kind of stay together yeah be a team um and uh yeah I'm really glad that they kind of looked for that opportunity for us and uh it was funny I knew they were going to ask Riley but it wasn't like it wasn't for me to go tell Riley. Um, and I didn't know when they were going to tell him. And like 24 hours before they called Riley, he was messaging me uh, some like sketches he did of Harley. And he was like, I would love to do a Harley book. And I was oh. like, I hope you get to do one, pal. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then like the next day he was like, did you know? And I was like, yeah, but like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my place to step in for the <laughs> editors and say something to you. Uh, so I was, I was really excited because um, I knew he wanted to do Harley and it's a good fit. Stephanie is also hum being uh, a, a humble. Uh, she is the best networker <laughs> I have ever seen. Uh, that is, you go to a convention with Stephanie, and it's like you walk into a room, you grab the beers, and then boom, Steph's is gone, and <laughs> it has finagled into the VIP lounge and is sitting down with. Uh, the editor-in-chief of marvel that is just yeah. what i don't know how I, <laughs> I, but i have watched it several got the times gift of gab just happens um i've learned that's, so much that's I've how you network that's how you get the work person, you know, personality and and networking skills have been from observation of stephanie okay two, um, two things from that that's awesome One, stephanie the good side is jamie you end up with two beers so that's not, not <laughs> bad. that's true that's true well the, the beer the beers are in her hands. <laughs> oh, she, oh, she, oh, she took in them. Mine, I don't right. even drink. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, then, 
yeah, I've got like Sprite. I'm yeah. very popular. <laughs> See, th this is actually part of it. I'm very popular. Like one of the last conventions before COVID happened, some event we went to, everybody got like a certain amount of drink tickets and I don't drink. Right. So I became very popular because I had free up for grabs drink tickets. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also like very popular for like, I'm the designated driver because you don't have to worry about it. So yep. it, it actually helps. It's not, you know, it's not like a moral position I take. I don't care if other people are drinking. Yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, that's always that's always been my role as the designated driver. Okay, so but there's there's a second there's a second part to that one, which you you know, and thanks for calling it out, Jamie. Is how do you how do you feel that you, I mean, this is this is a skill set that you have. Did you do you feel you developed that within academia? Like, I mean, because there's a lot of there's a lot of egos and people that you have to navigate in that realm. Um, do you think that was a, where you sort of kind of cut your teeth in that sense to be able to really work with personalities and you know, get where you need to go? Um, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think part of it too is like I was a teacher for almost nine years mm -hmm. and, you know, you've had every person imaginable in my classroom working with me in my office. Like that's, um, and you know, it's, it, you can't be the teacher that's just like, sometimes just saying exactly what you want to say. Like, I mean, I, I get pretty close to that. I'm a pretty honest person. And like, my job is to help enhance communication tools and like, you know, we'll do what's necessary. But um, yeah, I mean, just, I think learning the first time I was in a classroom, I was 21 years old. I thought I would be a TA. Uh, I was on my own in a lecture hall and actually like in my first class front and center was a, a student that was three years behind me at my high school. Cause like I had graduated undergrad really fast and I think he had like taken some time. So like now we've lapped and he's like, Oh, Hey, Stephanie. And I'm like, Cool. So like day one, my very first class, here's somebody I went to high school with in oh. my class, taking my class. And it was like really, it was very weird, um, kind of jarring. And like over the years, like just learning, it was also terrifying, like absolutely mortifying. Because until sure. then, I like was not always very good in front of people. Like I was somebody that like was in band and they were constantly trying to make me do like solos or things like that. And I would be like, how about like duets? So I'm not alone on the stage. Cause I was like always trying to get out of it. Uh, but being a teacher, like you can't, like you are performing the whole time. Like uh, it is a very weird skill set to develop over years. And like, you have to be thick skinned. Like you have to be performing because like you've got what, like four back-to-back -back classes of teenagers that do not want to be there so like that's <laughs> a it's the toughest audience you could ever have so it's like oh people on twitter think they're mean like try an 18 year old that's being forced to take like a freshman comp class by somebody that looks like they are younger than them so that's great like <laughs> yeah. uh yeah so um i think that helped a lot just like learning to interact with all different people and um just being like I'm, I'm for for a hermit. I'm also very social, like or I can be. So <laughs> it, it's tiring, but yeah, it's like a, it's like kind of a like a necessity, like it, rather than because I mean you could remain a hermit even in public. You could just be like a wallflower and just kind of get through. Okay, I'll go yeah. to a convention and I'll I'll follow Jamie around and you know and mm -hmm. you know it, and I'll be interactive with him, but I'm just going to kind of chill out otherwise. But like mm -hmm. it's, it's a it's a thing that you can utilize to actually like you know, enhance your experience, um, and leave him in the dust. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple people that I'm just like, I'm going to stay friends with them to ride their coattails. Uh, so like the best that I keep saying this, the best, the best, uh, band 
name is um, <laughs> the drummer from the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins. His his band is called Taylor Hawkins and the Coattail Riders, which is like that's awesome. The best name for for a band like a side <laughs> project band. You're like, yeah, I'm in a famous band, and this is what I do for my fun. You know. Right. Um, how did you two? How did you two meet? I mean, if you worked on a project, I mean, was this sort of, you know, did you did you do a, a sort of an artist lineup and you know, pick Jamie because he's the tallest or? The, <laughs> or with, you know, what it was um, it? I don't we know, Jamie. Live in Tampa. Yeah, we that's knew so each other like, before that. That's yeah, yeah. We're comic shops. That's... And uh, you're the um, acting. I, I know I've seen I had seen you in some of the. Gh's, yeah, yeah, but I'm trying to think. That's of the, right. Uh, yeah. What was it called? You saw like the very farce. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were introduced <laughs> through like mutual friends when Jamie was doing a lot with um, this. Uh, what was the stage's name? Like there was a the group's name. Hat trick. Oh, was that it? Okay. Uh, it was either remember. hat trick or job site. The job site. Yeah. Job site. Okay. The other one was a hockey reference. She would have remembered that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, it was job site theater. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Jamie has many talents, and oh, he is no. not afraid of being on stage like other people. <laughs> no, he is not. He loves a camera, um, and the camera loves him. No, but well, the, but it's interesting. You were you had mentioned earlier about like the the language in academia and how you 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 know you've been sort of like teasing out that concept within uh, the writing with Harley. Is that like you know? And I was thinking about like. You know, with Jamie, I mean, like in the theater world, I mean, like there's so much like inside language in that world, um, you know, in the in the realm of acting and theater. And I think that's really I mean, it's that way with almost every single, you know, industry. There's all this sort of terminology that you're sort of inundated with and you go oh, like so I think it's kind of cool when you can take that and then apply that into the actual like art that you're crafting because it changes it from being. I don't know, it just it lends credibility to it to one degree or another. Like the yeah. devil wears Prada, you know, like that, like that kind of stuff. Like she was putting in the language of whatever was happening, you know, in that world into the paper, uh, onto the paper. Steph also did photography, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did. So has a background in image making and yeah. communication on how to frame something. Uh, the scripts are always great and the play page flow actually works i have a hard time working with other uh with writers because like i'll look at it and it's like sometimes i'm just fixing little little insignificant details that it's like well the that character can't be on the left because the character that you have positioned on the right is speaking first just like little blocking little talking blocking things mm -hmm. that uh steph always has written in the scripts are very uh it works. It, you, the scripts are very easy to draw and you can probably, and this is why Riley is able to just to like do some bonkers thing because right. you've done uh, enough work kind of in, in the writing part where your brain doesn't have to focus on fixing things. I've never had to fix your script. <laughs> Good. Well, how, how, do you, how do you think you, I mean, where did, where did that skill set do you think, come into play how did you get that because that's i mean that's not an easy thing because often you know when you're when someone's writing you know they're 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 either focused on the dialogue 
or they're focused on describing the entirety of the, you know, of the panels within there and not focus on the storytelling aspect. They're just like, they want the details like, Hey, I want to make sure that there's this in here and that in there. And that becomes sort of distracting to the overall pace. Yeah, I mean, I think it's two things. Like Jamie mentioned, um, I actually went to school on an art scholarship um, for photography. So I was initially intending like um, to, to just be in art school. And um, like I learned a lot from those classes and from doing photography and working with still images or doing like series of images, um, like framing and like all that stuff that Jamie was mentioning, I think really came from that. And it was something that I was super invested in like I wanted to be I wanted to be an artist I wanted to be a professional photographer and um also from like my background in technical writing um so I have uh, another along with my master's degree I did um a graduate program in technical writing and um <laughs> I have I have a lot of degrees I'm not saying they're super like useful but I've got like a lot of paper with my name on them yeah. Um, it's really just like arrested development. I didn't know what to do. So I stayed in school and, right. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, uh, I taught a lot of technical writing. Um, my dissertation dealt a lot with technical communication. And I mean, I think that's one of the biggest skills, like no, sometimes I think no two scripts are the same. So mm -hmm. like the way I write for Riley is not the way I write for anyone else. Like Riley's scripts are very specific and they are for Riley. Um, other artists, like um, I'm working with an artist right now where I know um, he knows a little bit of English, but it is not his first language. And he's putting a lot of my script through a translating program. And so I'm writing for a translating program. Like I'm making sure that I'm wow. not using weird terminology that would get like caught up or like do something weird. So I'm actually writing in a very technical way so that when it gets spit out for him, it makes a lot more sense or words that I know, like um, I'm not using as many, like, uh, I don't know, just like not very colloquial language. Um, right. Some, someone like Mike Hawthorne on Wonder Woman, like, um, you know, Mike and I, like with Riley, immediately we had a connection. It was like, oh, we're going to make some cool stuff and we're going to talk about it and make something um, like really unique to us. And uh, my scripts for him are also different because even if I'm giving him like a breakdown on one page, the next page, I'm like, ah, you know how to make this look really freaking cool. So I'm not going to like step on your toes. And, you know, I think it's also just about trusting your partner. Um I, I talk a lot about like the script as almost like a blueprint, uh, like kind of being an architect, like this is the house we're building. And as long as we're both building the same house, if Jamie gets into the script and he's like, I think the windows would look better with like stained glass. It's like, cool. I trust your opinion on that. And, um, you know, as long as the house gets built, then we're both doing our jobs and helping each other with that. So how much, I mean, how much do you like, because I mean, like you don't like, this schedule is a schedule. So it's kind of a tough thing mm -hmm. sometimes, like, you know, when you're on, you're on a project and it's like, Hey, you're going to be doing six issue run on something or whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. it doesn't always afford the best opportunity for collaboration. Um, mm -hmm. Like, do you, I mean, do you find that to be a chief part of your process or do you, mm -hmm. or is an opportunistic part of your process? Um, I think I need it. <laughs> like, I'm very much the person, like, when I was first working with Mike on Wonder Woman, I would, like, email him and be like, Mike, I want to have a conversation with you. Like, here's my cell phone. Like, call me. Like, we're gonna just become best friends and, like, talk all day about comics and, like, make things. Um, I mean, Riley and I talk 
every single day. Uh, like it's, uh, and again, that's a little different given that, you know, I think we're, we've done so many issues together now and, you know, even before Carly, we had worked together, but, um, it's something that I, I prefer, I think everything is stronger that way. And, um, I'm very much the person that will go to my collaborator and be like, I don't think this scene is working. Like, can you read the script? And like, tell me why I'm messing this up. Like, uh, you know, I'm not precious. I want that input. Um, there are some really cool elements of Wonder Woman that, you know, came from Mike. Like, these are his ideas of like seeding cool things for the reader throughout all the issues. And like, that's him. Like, that's not me being prescriptive. Like, that's him contributing. And like, we are both telling the story. It's our story. And um, I, I love that. Like, I, I really love the collaboration and the partnership. And I don't know, like, maybe that's the social element where like I sit in a room all day. So when I get to talk to somebody and like jam and be creative with them, like that's, that's really cool. I love that. Like that's, that's when things get really fun. I think when you're feeding off of each other and kind of enhancing things that way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's that it's the, what's nice is that you're seeking that out. Like that's an important, that, I mean, because I mean, we can all look at the, comics that we may say the benchmark comics out there, you know, in the traditional sense. And they were really very much some sort, you know, th this collaborative process yeah. that was happening. They were rarely were they script written, editor hand script to artists and says, do this. And it, it turns out to be brilliant. You know, I mean, that, I think mm -hmm. you really have to kind of go one step further um, or be like Jamie and just do it all yourself. That could be one solution. But, you know, I mean, do you consider what you do, Jamie, as a collaboration? Do you have conversations with artist Jamie and say, artist Jamie, what do we do here? Uh, I, I'm not being patient. Uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no. Uh, like, Michelle Fife asked a question on Twitter uh, a couple of, uh, like a month ago. And he was like, does anyone actually write in Marvel style anymore for right. themselves? He was asking just like guys who make comics yeah. for themselves. That's how I end up writing. I'll yeah, write like a paragraph or two of what the what the book is. And then yeah. I'll go and just start thumbnailing it out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just and I end up writing dialogue because I saw Jack Kirby pages where he was just like writing dialogue down and that Stan would go in and, and fix and make make actually sound good uh, right but i realized oh wait i can just do that and i'll be fine i can still make comics that way yeah um, so yeah, i mean it's all it's also pretty i mean i think it's pretty common in the sense that you know the visual side of you know writing so when an artist is writing something there's a, a there's more of that in the process whether it is sitting down and thumbnailing your way through a book and then kind of developing an outline and a script from that or doing that sort of like inspirational couple paragraphs and go okay here's what i want to have happen and you kind of blah 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 blah, blah. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, there is i do have a writing process and then i have a drawing process right i don't they are not necessarily one and the same who's uh, the bigger problem who's the bigger problem usually uh the art i think the artist okay yeah i if i could just write i would be i think a much more stable person yeah uh, <laughs> right like drawing is tedious it is yeah it's terribly tedious i mean it's it's i mean there's 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 an interesting challenge you know in the drawing process you know there's this sort of like because because it is an immediate reaction to what you do 
like you look at it and you can say, oh, that's an improvement or not an improvement, you know, or the opposite. Um, and so you can kind of like really kind of like fight yourself in, you know, in, 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 in that process. Writing is a little bit different in that respect because you really don't know just by staring at it, you know, in one take, if it is better or worse. I mean, some sentences are dreadful and some dialogue is horrible or stilted, but the point being is that you don't really know it until you kind of see the thing in the entirety because it's, it's kind of a whole thing. Um, so, well, tell artist Jamie to freaking buck up and, you know, artist Jamie is the one dragging his feet on this next baboon book. That's, that's really writer. Yeah. Jamie's done yeah. waiting, waiting for pages to be wait. Waiting, waiting for pages to letter like yeah i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta see if the the script fits now come on i gotta get yeah. busy um have you i mean stephanie have you written in i mean anything rem remotely close to the marvel style in your in your years yeah i mean i think the closest i get is probably for riley um like that script looks nothing like anything like i'm not giving him panel breakdowns i'm really giving him like a little bit per page and um i'll usually put some dialogue under which you know then i go back and break mm -hmm. into panels for the letterer but um yeah I, I usually give him something really loose because again if i was prescriptive to, to riley like we would not get half of those pages like more than half of the pages that he's doing uh i, I know in issue one there's a there's a page where it's Batman fighting people in a carnival and the entire page layout is shaped like Batman. Like if I had just said, here's what the, we want, like a six panel page, like you would not have that page. So um, I, I'm, I love writing that way for him. And I think it's like a really cool process there. And, you know, I'd say that my scripts for, for Mike are probably back and forth between that style and right. panel breakdowns or a more traditional layout. So. I mean, it, it is interesting that, I mean, I mean, and I guess, I mean, it, it, it kind of works that way all the way through the process. Like, I mean, the, the more you work with an artist as a writer, the more you can anticipate what the communication and the shortcuts mm -hmm. would be uh, visually. And then that would work, you know, like say traditionally with a penciler and an inker, like eventually that penciler is going to be drawing less if they mm -hmm. have, have a good working order with that inker, because that inker is going to be able to know, oh, this is how you want this rendered or that, you know, I mean, the terrified penciler is filling in all the blacks. You know, the 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 relaxed penciler is just putting a really loose X there and saying, "Okay, you'll figure. You know, you'll know where to go." Um, and that's kind of cool. And that's great that you can you you develop that sort of that communication with your artists in that sense. Yeah. But it's also a benefit and a luxury of a longer relationship. You know, like yeah, you, absolutely. You have to be a little more, uh, you know, I guess as you said, prescriptive. You know, with your mm -hmm with the the new startup um with a yeah. with a relationship so um that's kind of cool do you get any do you get any lead time with any of the the books like i know that some project books people get like hey you're going to get three or four months to kind of put something together mm -hmm. versus go yeah i mean it's <laughs> it depends on the project yeah. um yeah i mean for like wonder woman i i think we had like three or four scripts done before Mike started drawing, maybe something like three. Um, I actually, yesterday, we just wrapped up all edits on issue eight, which is the final issue. And I think Mike is on issue six. So a little bit ahead of, ahead of him there. Um, Riley, I'm usually about a month ahead of Riley. Um, since we are just like continuously doing that, it's like a little, little less, but you know, we're, we're always talking. So we're like always planning out, um, 
I mean, six months ahead, like, you know, I know what happens in issue 24 and issue 12 just came out. So, I mean, that's the only part that like kind of sucks is like, you know, you write something where you're like, oh, I can't wait for people to see this thing. And then issue 12 comes out and you're like, oh, for me, that's old news. Like, <laughs> like I'm on 24. Um, so it's a really weird thing to have that happen or um, like knowing how something is going to pay off from like, I think something that we started seeding in like issue I want to say 10 that pays off in like 14 or, or something. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Like, you know, I, I hate knowing all the spoilers. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've spoiled it for myself. So. If you wait long enough, you'll forget. And then you get to get the surprise. Right, exactly. I just write enough scripts and I won't remember anymore. Right, which was, which was I was talking with Russell Nolte and he, the guy is a prodigious writer to say the least in his, in his output. 5,000 words a day. Just saying that that's what he's writing. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Um, but he, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's, he's putting out books that he's like, Oh, I wrote these like two years ago. Like, because mm -hmm. he's, he's so far ahead of his own publishing schedule. And I got it, you know, and I, I know that even when I'm doing draft revisions, you know, on my books, I go, Whoa, like I, I'm reading them. Like you read it and you go like, Oh, I don't even remember writing this. Like that's, yeah. That's like the best feeling in the world when you're something and you're like, oh, that was actually pretty. Like you read it almost like from the outside point of view, where you're like, oh, that yeah. actually was fun to read. Yeah, I am in this situation now with the next Baboon book. I was planning on launching a Kickstarter last year at this yeah. time. Right, 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 right. And yeah. Now I'm finally going through and, and prepping up and doing uh, final like coloring passes on like a 94 page book and I was, I'm reading, I'm rereading it for the first time. I'm like, this is, whoa, I actually did something cool. Like yeah. <laughs> this works, um, which is crazy, which yeah. is great. Like I put out three, two books before this one comes out and I'm currently writing the next stuff while I'm right. So it, it, yeah. Having lead time is weird. Does the time machine help Jamie to keep it? It does. It does. Time machines help. Okay. Um, tapping into the speed force also helps. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gaining powers. This is this is either exciting or unsettling. I'm not sure which yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't sleep anymore. Uh, you don't have to sleep anymore. You could just. That's right. I can just go into that elven meditation state. And, and totally. I'm good. You walk on snow. I mean, you've got all the right. powers. Right. You're gaining them all at a rapid pace. <laughs> Soon we're going to have to we're going to have to assemble all the other creators in the uh, in the in the universe to destroy Jamie as he's gained too much power. <laughs> but then we'll just replace him from another Jamie in the multiverse. We'll just right. go no, but get a different right. one. If only, man, that's from a, a different story. earth. That's a good story for me. <laughs> earth 14's Jamie. He's, yes. he's great. He's an accountant. He's, he's, <laughs> we love him. he's an accountant. <laughs> solid, solid individual. Uh, so, so what? I mean, what does your scripting process work like? How does that? What does that look like for you, like for you, Stephanie? Um, terror, crying, breakdowns, chocolate, more crying. I mean, <laughs> okay. these are all, all, all approved. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know when it would be possible to ever write a script without having the breakdown of like, I have completely forgotten to write a script. Like, I don't know why every script has to start with me saying, oh, no, I have forgotten how to do this thing that I've done hundreds of times. Yep. Don't know when that stops. But um, it seems to be a very, very necessary part of my process. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I start from there. And then 
I wake up and say, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. And yeah. Uh, well, does that, I mean, is that time right. <laughs> your sort of your self, self described stage fright? I mean, is that the kind of like, are you like, because every time you have to sit and write that script, that's you getting up on stage and saying, okay, well, here's the thing that I am going to share with you. Is, is that the kind right, of like, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think one of the problems, so uh, like the longer I, I do it, almost the longer it takes me to write a script. And it seems very like backwards that the longer I've been writing, the longer it now takes to do it. But I think it's because now I've just learned so many different options that I have on mm -hmm. the table. And like, that's really my job is to make choices like this book could start at one of 30 different places, probably more. And uh, maybe in another multiverse, I started it somewhere else. But sure. um like you have all those options and my job is to choose the best option, like to choose, make choices. And um, for somebody that is paralyzed by choices, that's like a horrible thing to know that you have all of these amazing choices and like, I have to pick one and like stick with it and make it flow and work. And um, so I think that's like the hardest part for me is like sticking with the choice that I'm making and um really starting being like okay uh like a thing that i'm writing right now like i have most of it outlined i know the story but i keep going back and forth on like these choices i have for the opening like which one is the coolest and even then when i pick the version it's like now what's what are we going to open it with like those kinds of things and kind of getting into it so like so like let's just say like issue 13's coming up whatever the number is um like, what is it like, what's your, what's your lead? Like, what's your sort of duration? I mean, are you, are you writing a script in one month's worth of time? Are you doing it in two weeks worth mm -hmm. of time? Or is it, you know, you, you results may vary. <laughs> um, I write about two scripts a week. Okay. Uh, so I write one to two scripts a week. Um, sometimes those vary in length. Like sometimes I'm writing like one eight page story and then a, a regular 22 page story. Um, Sometimes I'm doing a lot of outlines in a script, but usually I have like probably two scripts worth of work that I'm doing every week. Um, yeah, I would I would like to get it to like one script a week is pretty cool, but I'm I'm comfortable with my like two script a week thing. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. So and then so you are you, I mean, do you flush out with an outline? Do you flush out sort of like, or do you just kind of like? sort of brain dump it and just kind of like give yourself a bunch of ideas and then sort of meld them together into something how do you uh yeah i mean i i like outlines they they help me you know not all editors like want an outline but really it's something i do for myself and i'm very um uh like tactile i like to write things i make grids um i thought i had some here but i i often make grids to like keep track of everything um and just make them on like big sheets of paper. And uh, like, I just, I really like putting pen to paper. Uh, it helps a lot for me. Um, so yeah, I, I write a lot of stuff. Um, there are like some books I'm working on where like it, it is really helpful to have like an editor that's super engaged like that. And we'll go over uh, outlines together. And then some of them, it's also, it's also almost freeing to like not do that with an editor sometimes because then it's also like okay there's a lot of trust to like just let me go do my thing and then you know the outline I can kind of correct with myself as I'm going through but it's kind of just like a little goal post like these are the things I know have to go in the issue so I can see if I've packed too much in the issue or maybe I need to put something else in the issue or 
um, like sometimes with the grids too, I'll see like, oh crap, like, you know, Kevin has this story arc we're doing and we haven't really come back to Kevin in this issue to like see how that's resolving. So I can make sure I haven't missed things. So you, so you kind of have a handwritten, you know, lack of a better term, a spreadsheet that you've handwritten out with characters, subjects, whatever plot lines, and then you kind of can break them down into different issues or subdivide that even further and say, okay, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. And you can find like, oh, I'm putting a lot of junk over here. Maybe I should put <laughs> this out. Right. Um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And how detailed are your outlines? Like, are you like A, one, you know, A, two, two A, you know, <laughs> one, one, you know, like uh, how, how far? Right. Um, I mean, I think I, I actually used to do like page by page breakdowns. I do not do that anymore. Um, just because I was finding like once I got into a scene, I would really need to change it or needed more room. So really what I do is more like almost like a bulleted list of the major beats. Like, mm -hmm. like these are the things I know I need to cover in this issue. Um, and just making sure I have that all out before I go actually write the thing so that like I don't miss something or... Um, you know, if I know where the book needs to end or the, the issue needs to end, just make sure that like I'm getting to the right spot. And sometimes I start there. Like I know what the cliffhanger is going to be and I kind of work backwards. Backwards. Cause sometimes you can, like you have to, it's almost like chore, you know, choreography at that point, like yeah. where you have to kind of dance your way to that last sort of moment. And it's funny, like you were talking about the things, like I remember when I was doing covers in the nineties, like my process for doing a cover was I would sit down and I would write a list of every, what I, what I learned as a term in design years later is mandatory. Like here are the mandatories. This is what has to have to be on this cover for this cover to sell the right story to the, you know, to the, to the reader. Um, you know, so you'd have to have the logo. You'd have to like all these things because you have to accommodate them. You can't just be like, I made this amazing drawing. You're like, well, where are we going to put the masthead? Where are we going to put like the, the, you know, the, the issue number? Like you have to kind of put all those things together because all those little details, whatever they are, are part of the story. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like, you know, having that sort of bullet point of like, these are the things that need to happen. Do you do that, Jamie? Do you make your list of things? Like, and how, both of you, how many issues are you writing, outlining? Does that make sense? Like, so like, are you writing in like four issue chunks, three issue chunks, one issue chunk, like whatever the thing is? Mm. I um i'm usually writing um like i'll do the outline and then write the issue outline issue like mm -hmm. it's kind of part of my process of writing the issue um there's only one that i'm doing something different with right now and that's because i'm, I'm doing something that i've never done before and i'm really building like lore and mythology for something that is like not usually my my shtick like i'm very much like i do a lot of historical fiction because i really like grounded things like I think that like there's so much crazy stuff that's happened in reality and I really like telling these very personal stories like you know telling a story about the detective in Butcher of Paris who is trying to be a father during Nazi occupied Paris and now there's a serial like like telling his story feels very personal um but I'm doing something really different right now where I'm building a lot of lore and mythology for like a kind of world that didn't exist before I came and gave it existence, which again is really not normal for me. Um, and so to kind of help with that, I am outlining like almost all of it up front. I'm kind of writing like 
uh, I guess, a little bit of like a Bible for this universe and how things work in it. And um, actually, we're announcing it tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. But it is one of the only ones I've ever written that differently because it's just it's so different for me. So just making sure like, you know, if I set a rule for how something works, I want to make sure that I'm carrying that through and not forgetting it. And that's somewhere in writing because I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that I would forget my own things. Like, who made that up? That's so dumb. Oh, that was me. I made that up. Why did I do that? <laughs> but just to be just to be clear, it th this will be date. This will be weeks and weeks and weeks ago when people actually uh, see you here. Okay. Yes. So Tomorrow. by then they will know. <laughs> weeks or or a month or two ago. So yeah. So the oh, time awesome. time machine. Jamie says it'll all work out. I just have to trust him. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, he he showed me some sort of chart. I agreed. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a real, it's a real Jeremy Blair me thing. Yeah, uh, Jeremy. Yes, it's uh, awesome. I write one shots for everything, so I don't have like arcs planned. Okay, uh, but I do. So I guess technically, like a, a, a one shot for the baboon is this next one is ninety four pages, right? So that's what five issues of regular comics right so that is uh so i'm writing it all in one foul swoop kind of just large large chunks of things um but that being said i know what i want to do for the 10th volume uh and i continuously write the next like i'm always thinking at least two or three volumes ahead uh just kind of in in either stories or like ideas. Uh, one of the books that I want to do is I wanted to do a horror comic, but I also wanted to do a little boy robot comic. So I just, I was writing them separately and then thought, what if I just combined those two things? So I took two stories and put them together. Cause I was like, little boy robot horror comic in the baboon world. Yeah, that works. And yeah. I figured out a way to do it. And uh, so now that's what I'm doing. It's just like, I'll have ideas. I'll kind of put them out in the world and then eventually they'll combine and I will have one book that actually has more than just one boring, uh, right. One boring subplot. It has a, a couple different mashings of genres and, and more unique stories. Um, yeah, that's cool. That happened, that, ha that happened to me uh, on a design, a design thing. I was working, um, I was, doing design work for Ralph Lauren fragrances at the time. And we were developing some men's fragrances and that they had me working on two different brands going on, making these things, making these things, making these. I mean, the iterations were insane, like hundreds of different bottle designs and directions. And then they kind of just stopped both projects. So like, we keep, you know, we, we can't figure what we're going to do here. They were getting no sort of like feedback from, uh, polo saying that this is what we like. And then it, like they said, they came back, okay, we're combining it into one project. I'm like, oh, okay. So I had to take the two things and smash them together and then start over again. And that ended up becoming polo red. So like that was the end result of like whatever, you, you know, is on the shelves now was from these two very, you know, these quite disparate um, project designs. And then something new came into play. That is, yeah. So, but I get it. Yeah. So, but I I can't wait to read the little boy robot horror story. 
Yeah, in that book keeps I like it's plotted, it's ready to it's ready to go. I can actually just sit down and start drawing it. But, but I'm artist, but artist Jamie game. is is keeping you keeping you. Holy yeah, artist Jamie's really the problem. He the artist Jamie's really dragging his feet on that one. Uh, artist Jamie's dragging his feet on a lot of things. We got we got we have uh, to have, we have to have a sit down talk with artist Jamie. I need to go to the multiverse and get a couple more of me. That's <laughs> that's what I need. A few more artist Jamies to do some more work for writer Jamie. I think we yeah yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll gain that power soon enough too, and you know, making our job to stop you that much harder. Well, my my dream now is to make a baboon magazine and do it oh, cool. in in Harvey Kurtzman mode, where I just write and thumbnail yeah. all the pages, and then give them to other artists to yeah. make me look good. Uh, That's what she's doing. She's writing stories, and other people are drawing them. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, I hate. I uh, like. I I say. I was just about to say. I hate drawing. That is not true. But, no, 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 no. <laughs> but it is. It is definitely the more time-consuming part of it, uh, yeah, yeah, it, my life. It it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't come quickly. You know. No. And and the the. And if you have ha if you have half a soul in what you're doing, you're just going to keep fighting yourself to make it better. So it's yeah. not like no. you were saying, Stephanie. Like how like your process hasn't become quicker for writing the scripts. It's become longer because you're, you're seeing so many more things in every time you, you, you come to that, you come to this thing. You're like, okay, what do I do? Like, um, and so that sort of standing at that crossroads of like a thousand options becomes really, really hard. Um, yeah. I'm getting slower too. I'm, I'm drawing slower. It's taking me longer to do stuff. And I mean, like, are we, age does Alex, does age make you slower? It does. Yeah, I'm slow as shit. Um, no, it's, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, but like, I think the the crazy thing about like process is, is I think as you become more sort of sensitive to certain things and you develop sort of a new technique for something that sort of adds more time into it rather than just sitting down with a piece of paper and a pencil and drawing it out and then you okay there I'm done there and then ink it up and you're good to go. Like there's a whole new level. I mean, you got to go back to that giant block of lead, you know. I I no, I still got it. Cave paint. I, that, that is my my, my tool of choice. Yeah. Big big hunk of lead. Big hunk. Of, why is that the, not the name of your publishing uh, imprint? Big hunk yeah. of lead. I don't know. <laughs> hunk of lead press. I think that would be. Yeah, that that along with our uh, our uh, Brady brunch uh, mm. place. I think we got some. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so how many, like, so what's your writing day look like, Stephanie? Um, I mean, it's all different. Like, it depends on what I need to work on. Um, you know, usually just, uh, I start every day kind of making a list of like, here's what has to get done today. Um, and kind of go from there. Like, you know, sometimes it's scripts and sometimes it's outlines, sometimes it's both, um, yeah, just uh, whatever needs to get done, and I you know, try to do it. I mean, are you like up at, up at six and writing at <laughs> like like what's your what's um, your? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a morning person though. I do. I, I usually go to the gym around eight every morning, okay. um, either eight or nine, and then um, like come back and kind of start my day after that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I usually work into the night, too. I try to take, like, one day a week that I'm not doing work. Um, how successful that is, is, you know, up for 
uh, up for up in the air how well, successful that's been. But <laughs> finished a script over the weekend, so that means that yeah. it wasn't it wasn't Saturday or Sunday. I get that. No, no, I did I did most of the work on it on Sunday. But I mean, the other thing is like, uh, like I think a lot of times I put the pressure on myself of like if I'm not literally writing that I'm not working, but a lot of the times, you know, some, some days it's like, I have to do a lot of research or um, plotting. And like, you know, that day took me hours to come up with uh, like, like I said, with the Harley script, there was something in there that I was like, I knew it wasn't working. And it was cause I went too strictly from point A to B and it just didn't feel like Harley. It didn't feel like Harley was solving the problem. So I had scrapped it and I went back and I was like rewriting that section of the script, but it took, kind of stepping away from it from for a couple of days and then coming back to it. And um, like, you know, that's just kind of how it happened. Like, just like Sunday, I was like, Oh, I know what the solution is. Like I, yeah. I now know, but you know, it took a couple of days of like beating my head against a wall. Like, you know, come on brain, think of things like we can do it. Like have a thought, please. And uh, yeah, that eventually oh, will come. I mean, I think you, I mean, I think like we built, we have to build sort of like, uh, you know, for professionals, you know, whatever the whatever the 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 arena that you're in, you know, listen, we have a lot of sort of like sensitivity to the things that are what make us successful in the things that we 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 do, but reality and time and life and all these things get a vote as well, and we are sometimes like at a we're drawing a blank, you know, or we're unhappy with the, what the thing is, or I oh I lost three days because I'm going to have to go visit my ailing parent or whatever the thing is, these things kind of come into play. And like, then you need to develop tools, you know, in your process to say like, how do I, how do I solve this problem and not be like freaking out to that last second kind of stuff. Like, so like, if you think about like that songwriting technique that David Bowie developed where he would get mm -hmm. he had a random word generator and he would have, the, so, and then he would just cut these words out and he would pick them out and he would just lay them down and then he would start writing to connect these words together. And like, it's a very, very, like you, you think like, well, oh, that's not going to work, but it works because you, you, mm -hmm. the, the brain, you know, does its connective tissue stuff and says, okay, well, I can make a nar narrative out of gobbledygook. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, so like, it's kind of, it's kind of important, you know, on the professional level to kind of create those sort of little, home you know techniques that you can kind of le least fall back on um yeah you know like light boxing shit <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> something anything so i don't know it's 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 tough um so what projects so i mean this is what is going to be like i don't know april-ish when people see this <laughs> so yeah. So like what kind what kind of like what what projects do you have coming up and things that people can look out for in the world yeah um i mean i guess continuing harley of course um you know that's uh we'll have a lot of harley announcements uh this year as well um just you know a lot of stuff coming up for her 30th and some cool stuff coming down the line that I'm, i've been working on for a while for harley um and so i guess that means like if it's april i can talk about the thing that i'm announcing technically in february right like that's cool yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So then um, the project. 
yeah, it's like time travel. It's really cool. I get to like fast forward to April um, as if this announcement has already been made. That's pretty neat. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> thank you for providing the sound effects. Uh, I'm doing a uh, creator-owned book with uh, Boom, and uh, it is it's called Grim. It is about Grim Reapers and um, one Grim Reaper in particular, her name is Jessica. She is the only Grim Reaper that doesn't have any uh, memory of how she died. So it's kind of like her own murder mystery. She's trying to solve cool. her own murder mystery um, while there's something a little bit more like nefarious going on in the afterlife. So you get to meet like a lot of these Reapers. And uh, yeah, I've been building like a, our own like mythology for how the afterlife functions. Um, cool. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, again, I think unlike anything that I've really worked on up to this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, we Only Kill Each Other is continuing to come out through Comixology. Um, gangsters in 1938 New York are uh, taking on the American Nazi movement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really excited about that project. Cover. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Dave did all the covers for that. He did them for Butcher of Paris. He's my, he's my cover guy. I love uh, Dave. So. Dave's the best yeah he's great um yeah so i think you know those are those are the things that i think i can talk about there's some stuff dc has already announced that i'm doing some stuff with dark crisis um the big summer event which i think is going to be really cool doing some stuff for um the big deathstroke kind of talia al ghul and raz al ghul event that's happening nice. um kind of leading up to dark crisis so um kind of getting involved in a lot of those dc events that are coming up that i'm really excited about I'm super pumped that my buddy Howard uh, is doing the Deathstroke book right now. Yeah, I've seen some of this. Yeah, I've seen some of that. It looks amazing. Uh, wow. I've read some of the scripts for that. It's a really cool event. Um, yeah. Oh, and um, of course, Wonder Woman is continuing to come out as well with Mike Hawthorne and Adriano De Benedetto. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, really, really excited about that. I just finished um, going over lettering for issue five. Um, and, you know, Mike continues to be incredible. So yeah. if, if nothing else, people should go look at Mike's beautiful artwork. So. Oh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, his artwork is phenomenal and the stories are great. So well done. Um, Thank you. Jamie, what do you got going on? Comics. Comics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, uh, Tales of uh, Tales of Monkeys Fighting Robots, the, the webcomic oh, yeah. that I do with uh, Monkeys Fighting Robots. We're finally getting back to, we're ending it. We're, we're finally getting back to it. We both kind of took a year off when I moved and, and Matt was doing stuff. Um, so I have 18 pages left to draw and hopefully... Uh, that will come out soon. We're going to do a collected, like, big 100-page collection of that. And that's going to be fun. And then, uh, I guess, April, right? Uh, Baboon, the, the second big Baboon book with the 94-page book. If it's not out by then, I'm going to be mad at myself. Okay. Um, <laughs> that will be mad at you. Yeah. More, more Baboon stuff. I've got a, a bunch of stuff, I think, after that book i'm i'm going to be doing another uh the the third hardcover is you'll like this it's called the church of sickles um and it is a my kind of like uh noel sickles milton kniff uh uh, uh alex toth oh kind of stuff um, i'm gonna be playing around with form and uh page stuff like that oh um, dude 
he yeah. loses his senses. That's the that's the thing. He goes and he he's losing his senses during the comic. So it's like, how can I break down uh, pages, sight, and just hearing and and all of that stuff? So there's going to be pages where there's just like letters on a page. Are you going to pull? Are you gonna, you're going to pull a burn? You're going to get you're going to get a sweet. Oh yeah 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 yes we are we are doing that issue. <laughs> get a sweet page rate for uh, for putting nothing on the page. I love it. Right, right. So yeah. and you wrote it too. So I mean double dipping. Love it. Yeah. Smart. Yeah, exactly. Smart. Uh, and then I don't have to color like a lot of the pages. Oh so. white 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 colors itself. It's beautiful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It all, it's all you're thinking man there, Jamie. I'm a thinking man. <laughs> yeah, it. I'm I'm you know <laughs> comics is a hard game. Let's uh let's make yeah. it a little easier. <laughs> so, so Stephanie I your the the um your grim reaper story on the scale of one to ten on the emo scale uh, <laughs> oh man she is she's very emo our um lead character. Listening to? That's oh so much so much uh music does kind of like really go throughout the story so like her she has two best friends in the story uh and you know each because reapers can die at any time period so oh, one sure. was like an 80s metal hairband lead singer who um overdosed in the 80s yeah he he's kind of based on he looks like michael michael monroe from uh hanoi rocks yeah um and uh so like you know he there's a lot of like music that i think kind of plays a role in the story um got some like bikini kill and um Pearl Jam, like, yeah, there's, there's like a lot of, of course, Pearl Jam, like you, you gotta have like, you know, don't fear the Reaper in there somewhere. Um, yeah, so I think music kind of goes throughout a lot of it. Uh, her other best friend uh, is from like, kind of French Bohemia, like Moulin Rouge era. Um, and so those are kind of her, her little, her little pack in the afterlife. But yeah, there are Reapers from all over. Um, and uh, it's just one of those cool things that, like, I'm, I'm excited to explore the world because. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking. I'm thinking, like, oh, like, how would that, how would that manifest in South South America? How that, how would that manifest yeah. in the Philippines? Like, I love. I, I mean, it's that's there's that's some really cool stuff. I love that. Yeah, and we we try to touch on too, like, while a lot of the way the afterlife works and the lore of the afterlife is very inventive on our parts um we're still taking from all over like mm -hmm. already pre-existing mythologies and kind of building that from from those so there are times where you see kind of how different cultures approach death and that was something i wanted to do like you know there, there's part of a scene that takes place at a day of the dead festival um and and all different stuff like that that we're kind of pulling from there's a lot of like greek mythology in there as well oh. um yeah, so I, I think it'll be really cool. And it's something that like I I'm interested in in like death culture and how different cultures view that. And um I love the idea that the you know the protagonist is technically dead. So um right. I think I think people will will really love her. Um she's uh she's yeah, she's definitely moody. You're right. I guess she's kind of emo. Her name is Jessica Harrow. And um yeah, I think I think people are gonna love her. There's there's quite a few like weird twists and turns about like who she is, how she died, like there's all these mysteries kind of surrounding that that uh oh. as we're kind of building out that mythology uh we hope readers have fun solving i love that that's cool I, I, my wife and i hiked the uh, west highland way in scotland and we oh, came cool. down this hill in the middle of nowhere like i mean you know i mean and there was like a phone booth <laughs> like on this road and okay. like, a, like an old hut or something or with a closed up something and then mm -hmm. like 
the path continued across the road and there was a sign, but someone had spray painted, cheer up emo kid, right? Like in the middle yes. of nowhere on this thing. Like that's been like an ongoing like statement between the two of us. That's awesome. That's yeah, there was a song when I was in like, I think like ninth grade called Cheer Up Emo Kid. And we where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, we were always singing that at each other. It was like a kind of like a ska song called okay. Cheer Up Emo Kid. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, we were always always saying that to each other. I'm telling you that song was big in the Highlands of Scotland. <laughs> big in the Highlands of Scotland. Yeah. Awesome. Lots of lots of emo kids in the Highlands of Scotland. Literally. With black with black kilt <laughs> and pissed off. I love it. Actually, if that's a thing, like I might need to move to Scotland. Like I, I feel like that's where I fit. That's where I belong. <laughs> yeah. Gary, let us see what you're doing, Gary, because I've been digging watching those colors come together. Uh, I'm working on uh, page uh, one of issue three here. Let me dig in you. Gary, oh. likes, Gary likes to draw during the show. Cool. <laughs> I like the color. More than yeah, draw. Join the the uh, the sort of the purple blue combo as you're building out the background. Yeah, we cool. got the monster and we got the uh, the evil guys, and we got, got Victor Vetica here, Vic, and then we have kill them. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, monster has the orb, and Victor's like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do?" <laughs> get killed. That's what he's supposed to do: is get killed. So we'll have to find out in page two, three, and four. <laughs> what happens? You've got to write page two and three and four now. Well, so. I started working on page uh, two. Yep. Uh, where the hell is it? It was I started the working on that today. There you go. That's this page. Cool. Yeah. Nice. We could look okay. forward to that hitting. Well, listen, people are watching this April. This might all be done. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it'll be all be all be done next week. Bullshit. Nice. Yeah. Total yeah, that's not gonna happen. It's I'm like Jamie, I'm slow. Yeah, artist Gary is slowing everything up. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Stephanie, anything? Oh, wait, one final thing. Jamie, one question that you have to Stephanie that you've never asked her before. Oh, oh. damn. Uh mm. I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I know. Wait, what I don't know. Not uh, ask? Like, I don't think that there's anything there that we would be like, oh, I guess I'll not ask Jamie this. Yeah. When you share hotel rooms with people, <laughs> things tend to, like, your relationships yeah. with people uh, change. Blind uh, blurs. Yeah. Mm, but I don't know. It's a question yeah, like, Jamie's asked. like my best friend. I don't, I don't yeah. know that. Uh... That's sweet. My favorite. I, this is. I'll, I'll leave yeah. with an anecdote. My favorite okay. Stephanie thing. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, it was the other. It was. Uh, it was a few months ago. I think I had moved. I was been in Savannah for maybe a, a couple of, maybe a couple of months at the time, and I got a text at six o'clock in the morning, and it was just like Batman emergency. So <laughs> Batman uh, signaling a text. It, yeah, it was just like Batman emergency. And then I <laughs> then the next text comes up, he's like, Can I call you? And I was like, Yeah. And I was half asleep, laying on my couch, listening to Stephanie try to figure out this uh very weird problem of how does Batman solve this problem when we yeah. I've already established this thing and how do we do this? And it was a it was a bomb 
it was a Batman bomb thing. So, you know, yeah. you can't throw it on the ducks. There's children <laughs> eating ice cream, that whole kind of situation. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. It's, it's very early in the morning. I'm half asleep. Like, uh, maybe, uh, maybe there's a bomb over here. I don't know. <laughs> we, we were just trying to figure out yeah. how, uh, I'm the unofficial Batman editor. Uh, nice. so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I but love it. That was my favorite text I've ever gotten from Steph was Batman Emergency. Batman Emergency. That's yeah. Great. That's yeah. definitely one way. I'm I'm very like vocal in writing, and so sometimes I just need like the sounding board, and it's really nice to have people like Jamie that not only like have that vast knowledge, but also like really creative. So like yeah. I've tried approaching the situation, I've tried solving the problem, and I can't find the solution. Mm. So luckily, like there's got to be somebody uh, like Jamie with some kind of more intelligence than me to figure this out because I've written myself into like a logical <laughs> dilemma. So. <laughs> We have to find a way out of it. <laughs> oh, damn logic. Beautiful. I love it. All right. That's who I call for dating advice. So that's, I mean, that's where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of relationship we have. We have different, we have bigger fish to fry than bigger fish to fry. <laughs> comics. Thank you so much for joining us. Today. Thank, you. thank you. Jamie, of course, thank you for pitching in. You are always welcome here. Um, catch Stephanie online death smash stephanie comics you're everywhere nice. um, thanks a lot all right cool thank you all so much all right cheers